Welcome to Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. We have the conversations leaders want to have so they can win at leadership. Now, on to our show. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Leadership Conversations. This is Casey Sees, and I'm here in person with Josh Reich. We're at the Acts 29 U.S. West Conference in Reno, Nevada, or Nevada, as they call it out here. Um, Josh and I have met in person several times, but this is one of the few times we actually get each year to be together to record. So we're sitting actually at Livingstone's Church in Reno in front of a microphone or a music stand with our little mic set up in a children's ministry room. And there may be uh, moments where people walk in and interrupt us, so we don't know. So it's kind of living on the edge here. Uh, but Josh, how's it going, man? How it's going well, man. The conference has been great. It's been encouraging. Uh, it's one of the things I love about being in Acts 29 is just being able to be around other guys and uh, be other leaders and hear what God's doing. So it's been a great week. Awesome. Yeah, it's been really good just to see. I'm, I'm here with my company, Lucid Books, the publishing company I run, and I'm also a part of Acts 29 in South Central. And so it's just really encouraging to come. I think there's like 650-plus people here this yeah. year. I mean, it's yeah. packed. And uh, a lot of great uh, sessions and breakout sessions. Josh um, just recently taught a breakout session, which we're hoping to get the audio for uh, to make it available to you all through our podcast as well. So today we're going to talk about helping set some uh, definition for our staffs that we lead to understand and help them understand what successful being successful looks like in the context of being a part of our team. And Josh was sharing with me just some of the things they've been doing as they've been going through a hiring process for this. So Josh, why don't you break that down for us a little bit? Yeah, so when we started the hiring process, I mean, you always start a hiring process, usually with the role of what you're trying to hire, the person you're trying to hire. And so after we did that, we really wanted to dig down into what makes our culture what it is. Every church has a culture, every company, family, you know, it, the culture is really well, this is how we do things if it's not written down. Like this is, this is what's okay at the dinner table at your house versus your neighbor's house. And so uh, we, we did three exercises, which I thought were some of the most eye-opening and helpful conversations our team had. And so we did it with staff. We did it with elders, some team leads. And we asked three questions. We said, what words describe our church? Uh, what words describe our staff? And then what does it mean to be successful on our staff? Um, because those are different in every church. Yeah. Um, you know, every church will say, well, we're a friendly church. They, they maybe are not. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and we wanted those words to be positive and, and negative, you know. So it's not just, we're not just looking for positive things. And so um, I found it to be really helpful. It was also very eye-opening to me to hear what people see about our church. So, uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about today, just kind of how to unpack that, how to work through that in your in your church. You know, and I know for us, both in my company and for the church, we, a lot of those things are more inherent and unspoken, which after hearing you talk about this a bit can be quite disorienting for a new staff member when they come in and, and they're maybe violating an ethos that you have in place that's not been communicated because we can put together a great position focus sheet of you need to be a team player and you need yeah. to do these different things. But if you don't have uh, descriptors around that, like for us at Lucid Books, one of the things that we, we highly value is putting the team first. So we're not just looking out for ourselves, we're thinking in context of the entire team, but we realized before we started communicating that we were feeling frustrated with other people yeah. because we didn't communicate that. So walk us through kind of what that process has been like now as you've been unpacking that with your staff and team. Well, yeah, and I think it's important what you said, because every team would say, we want people to be team players, but every team would define that differently. That's right. You know, and so what does it, what does it mean to be a team player? What, what is it, when you say to put team first, 
to to define what what does that mean you know are there times that you don't get to put the team first and yeah. so um so for me i mean first off as a leader as the person who planted the church um it was a little crushing in some of the ways of when people say well the, here are some of the negative things you know um but those are also helpful too because you're able to then see some of the maybe some of the blind spots of your church, um, and if you're if you're a self aware leader, you know what they are anyway. I mean, when um, and, and so, but now in a hiring process, as well as when we're um, putting team leads into place, um, we know the the kind of people who are going to be successful. And and one of the things that was really helpful to me is I went to some people who um, close friends who have known me. And I just said, hey, over the last several years, when I vented to you about someone I worked with, like, like, what did I say? What things drive me just insane? Because um, as a boss, that's important to know. Yeah, like absolutely. that's an important thing to know because your your spouse, they know what those things are, and they're tired of hearing about it. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. No, and I think that's like you said, being a self aware leader when it comes to leading a team because. You know, you're, you're, John Maxwell, like in the 21 Irrefutable Laws of a Leader, like his first one, he talks about the law of the lid. Oh, yeah. Right? And so your, your church is, or business is only going to go as far as you're able to blow past those lids that are inherent. And, and also, uh, just uh, articulating up front, I recently hired a person uh, to help me with some of the marketing for our company. And she and I were having candid conversations on pet peeves. And she said, well, I don't know if I really know those right up front. I said, look, I know I'm looking to hire you. Um, but you need to be interviewing me as well yeah. because you need to know what drives you nuts. Yeah. And, and I, will, there's a good chance I'm going to do I'm it. I'm going to do it, you know? And so I'd rather just have that, <laughs> that, that honesty and permission up front. Yeah. And I, I let them know, like for me, I don't mind receiving critique or anything else, but if you're condescending to me, um, it triggers some non-resourceful stuff in me, man. And, yeah. and, and I can handle it. I don't just lose my junk on people, but yeah. it's, it's just really one of those things. So that I think the more you become aware, um, and I think that's a great exercise asking some of your friends, people close to you, like what, what is off putting to me that yeah. from people I work with, whether it's a client, a church member, a volunteer, a staff person, an elder, a deacon or whatever, like what are those key things that really just rubs you wrong? And then I think flipping that question around, what are some key things that I do that people, need to be mindful of, um, you know, and sometimes for me, like my, my sense of humor can be deeply sarcastic yeah. and I'm working on that because I realize, you know, you got to grow up through it and sometimes it's just funny. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I realize, it, it, and so some of my team members tell them like, look, he seems dead serious, but when this is going on, he's really not upset. Yeah. Um, well, and I think it's important too, to understand because whenever I talk with other pastors about this, they'll ask, well, what's on your list? And I said, well, what's on my list doesn't really matter. So yeah, there's a church, a point. there's a church in our city and one of their six staff values is frugality, being frugal. Uh, now, every church would talk about stewardship, right. but I don't know that I've ever heard a church, church talk about being frugal. Um, but for them, it's a big deal. You know, it's a big part of who they are. So they like rinsing uh, off plastic, you know, plastic I don't, forks? <laughs> I don't know how far you know, they go okay. on it. But, yeah. um, you know, but it's a big part of their culture. And, you know, it drives a lot of their creativity. Their lead pastor has talked about that uh, to me. Um, you know, but that's a part of who they are. And I think it's important, too, if you're the lead pastor, uh, because that comes out of the lead pastor's story yep. as well. Um, eventually, your church or company simply just becomes the shadow of one person. And we, we don't want to believe that. We don't want to think that we are that important. And it's not really a self-importance kind of a thing, but it's just a reality. Um, if you're at a company or a church long enough, 
it will become the shadow of you. And so that's what, as we were going through this list and even the negative things, I knew exactly what they were, you know, because they're the things I don't do very well. You know, and one of the things that was on our list was just not celebrating well. Like our our team doesn't celebrate well, our church, um, and that comes out of my personality. I don't celebrate (laughs) well. You know, uh, my wife texted me the other day because it's my birthday and and we're meeting up to go on a getaway. And she's like, hey, I'm going to bring a present. And I was like, what? She goes, well, I'm not telling you. Then said, why bother? Why, then why would you tell me that you're doing that? And she said, because I want to surprise you. I think you're going to – and I'm like, you know, and and she even put on our calendar, go and pick up Josh's presence. So that way I know on our shared Google calendar that she's going to get it. <laughs> you know, but, but that comes out of who I am. And it was it was really interesting then as well. When, you, when I asked some of our volunteers this question – I got to hear how they how they view me and how they view our team, which is an incredibly helpful thing. Yeah, and and as well, I would say because I, I talked to a pastor who said, "Well, I tried to do this, but I didn't really get any any feedback." And I said, "Well, that's part of your culture, you know." So for me, I was able to celebrate. Hey, we we got positive and some negative feedback, so people at least feel open enough at our church to say. Hey, this is what we don't do well. Right. This is, um, and they and they felt that they could say that to me and other people without without worrying if I was gonna you know feel attacked or belittled. And, and so that that was something I was able to say. Hey, let's put that on the list. You know, people feel like they can be honest about it. And so that's an important thing. But I, for us, I think with hiring, raising up volunteers, and even just um, cultivating your staff culture, because then you can look at the list and say. Do we like these things? Like, are we okay with the fact that we don't celebrate well as a church? And the answer was that, no, like we need to get better at that. So then we could have a conversation of, so what do we need to do? Like, how does that change? And we've changed some of the rhythms um, on our staff team now because of that. No, that's very interesting. I, I received that critique a while back. Hey, Casey, we don't think you celebrate well, especially on the business side of things. You know, because when you're in a startup culture, it's there's constantly new hurdles to overcome. Yeah. And, um, and so, well, there's more boxes for you to click off cause you're a three. So there's three, more man. to do. There's more to do. Like, and so I'm like, great, we did that. Now let's go to the next thing. Who has time to celebrate? Yeah, like, yeah. How, how is that effective? I don't understand how <laughs> celebrating is effective. It doesn't, doesn't really solve any problems. So, and all the sevens uh, are in the corner, yeah, like just, crying, they're crying. Like, why can't he be joyful ever? You know, uh, you know, fortunately I have non-resourceful joy, so I'll go binge eat after something, you know, or find my entitlement in it. But, uh, you know, get a bag of Sour Patch, kids, Sour Patch and kids and just be like, man, we did so well, you know. <laughs> and just chub out on it. But, you know, I'm still working on it. But, I mean, those are the type of things. And, and I, I think that's it where when you look at your core values as a team, what you value. And, um, you know, one of the things that we see in our culture, that, you know, with our church culture, is everyone is so hectic and busy. Yeah. And so what we try to do is put in place healthy rhythms. Yeah. So that when we ask the church, uh, the church staff to throttle down, like leading up to Easter or something else, we also then help create a, a rhythm of rest yeah. following that, you know? And so for us, it's Easter hit this year and then immediately our seven year anniversary hit. Mm. And so it was just very quick. And so I gave them a Thursday off 
Um, and then I gave them extra time the following week. Yeah. Um, and just I mandated that, hey, get your work done, but take some time to rest or recharge or do something. Because what we want is, and I think you you value this as well as your church's health. Yeah. You know, we say we value health, but quite honestly, we want to get everybody. I mean, it's one of our values. Else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of our and values. And that's something I've been thinking about yeah. stealing in the name of Jesus uh, for our church. Because, we stole it. So. Yeah. I mean, two <laughs> things I think that, that need to be spoken better in our, our congregation from our conversations, Josh, is an entrepreneurial starting spirit, like mm. to catalyzing the growth of new endeavors, whether it's church planting or missions or whatever, and then also the, the, the balance of health or healthy rhythms. So I think it's very important. But I think until you list it out and, and you get buy-in from your staff, it's just there. So how are you using those lists now in your hiring process? Like yeah, how does so, that practically look? So then, I mean, it helps you to ask certain questions. You know, so when, especially when you look at what does it take to be successful on our staff team? Um, and, you know, because for some staff teams, you know, those were, those would be like punctuality or they're an early morning riser. Like I, I worked at a church one time that I had to be at my desk at 8 a.m. Wow. Well, that was, that was what it took to be successful there. At my church, that's not the case. You know, I, we're a virtual team. And so, um, so then you're able to ask some questions, but then you're also, you're looking for some of those things, you know, in people. Yeah. You're, um, you're saying, hey, you know, tell me, tell me about the last hard goal that you reached. You know, um, that's not necessarily a normal interview question. Right. But what it's trying to get at is, you know, do you have a drive? Um, do you, you know, if you can't think of a goal, that tells me something. Um, and because those are things that are important to us, you know, we are a culture at our, at our church that, um, that is moving, you know, and that is born out of my personality. And, and so that's where, you know, you're able to set yourself up for potentially not having a bad hire Yeah. because most bad hires come down to that fit Yep. and everybody's always like, well, how do I determine that fit? Well, that's never in a job description. In churches, it's, you know, do you love Jesus? What right. your marriage is like? Do you have a master's? Can you preach? Do you avoid you know? these sins? Yeah. Do you minimize these sins? Do you, right? I mean, that's how we do it. It lets them get comfortable with either speaking to a computer or a camera okay. so that we're not just yeah. having to meet face-to-face. And so it really helps adjust that 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 idea of remote work. Yeah. And the ones that don't submit it, not that I wouldn't hire someone who doesn't submit it, but they get lower on the list sure. for callbacks. Sure. Even if it's a bad video, like, hey, my name's Barb. Barbara, I do accounting work. I don't like being on camera, but I want to work with your, at this job. Like for me, that's enough to say like, well, there's at least effort in yeah. that thing. And if other things match up, it works perfectly. Yeah. Um, so those are the ways that I would think through just practically working that out. Because like you said, we, we've all had bad hires or bad fits that should have worked until you got into some of the practicalities of working together. Yeah. Well, and and, I think that's important because I mean, almost every, every company would say, we, you know, we want to be innovative. But you don't have any way of trying to figure out if somebody is innovative. Right. You know? And for every, every time a, a lead pastor or a boss gets frustrated with somebody, it's always around these things. It's always around this fit. Um, and, and it's such a squishy thing for people. So they're like, well, it's so subjective. Uh, but it is. And it just is what it is. <laughs> well, one thing I like asking people is also like, hey, how do you prefer to be confronted? Well, that's a good question. If you need to go face-to-face, you know, and there's something bothering me, do you prefer it in writing first and then follow up in a conversation? Do you prefer me to just come? And the first answer will always be, no, just come to me. It's fine. And, and then you say, okay, talk to me about a time when you didn't react well. 
What were the circumstances surrounding that? Okay. And so, because then you start getting the heart of some chemistry things. And, and what you want people to come through, come to is really understanding that, look, as your boss, I'm going to have to tell you when things aren't matching up or fitting. But I'm happy to do that in a way that is helpful for you and not harmful if you're self-aware enough to talk about that. Yeah. Um, you know, and... You know, I have I have some staff members that are like send me a slide message saying, "Hey, fix this." They don't take it personally. Yeah. I have other people I know that I need to sit down with face to face. Let them know I love them. Yeah. And then let them know that hey, I need them to do this differently. And yeah. so even down to those type of ways that you can have that DTR that determine the relationship talk ahead of time, the more you're going to have the chemistry in place to really begin to have productive work environments, and it becomes a mutual list that you can yeah. all be held accountable to. Yeah. That if, if you're not, as a leader, not living up to a core value, then you can lean into that and adjust along the way. Yeah. And, and so I, I really think that's a great, um, a great way to begin to mature how we're leading our team. So we're running out of time for this episode, but Josh, you have any last words on uh, creating this, this list as you're developing a culture in your staff and, and hiring to your yeah. staff and everything else? I would say, you know, most, I think most leaders are afraid to do this because they don't want to stare at that list. Yeah. And that list is your friend. Data, I mean, data is, I said it in my breakout today, data is your friend. Yeah. Even if it is data that is painful to take, um, seeing, having people say, yeah, that is our blind spot. That is something we don't do well. And then you can sit back and say, does it even matter? Right. It, that, it may not even matter. Right. Um, and, and you may, it may matter. And, and, it, and it can bring up about a lot of great growth. And so I think as well, it will take away a lot of frustration if you're able to get this fit stuff right. Absolutely. Well, Josh, again, it was a joy being with you in person. And we thank you all for listening to another episode of Leadership Conversations. We'll be back with you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, head on over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe to our podcast. Also, head on over to our website at www.leaderconvos.com.